The financial needs of a business go beyond tax and attest services. That's why CTBK goes beyond accounting services and offers outsourced solutions through their affiliation with CFO Solutions Plus. These additional services allow clients to focus on their operational and long-term strategic goals. Trust CTBK's outsourced solutions to provide cost-effective, value-added financial services tailored to your company's needs. Call CTBK at 716-630-2400. Again, 716-630-2400. Or go to ctbk.com to learn more about CTBK's outsourced solutions. Welcome to an international edition of Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK CPAs and Business Consultants. I'm Tim Graham of The Athletic here with Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein LLC. And uh, I am uh, in London right now. You can't really see it behind me. It's too dark. And even if I could open the blinds, you'd just see some apartments behind me. Jonah is back in uh, the North Towns. Are you in North Buffalo or are you in the suburbs? I'm in city of Buffalo. Okay. Little Parkside. So I shouldn't, you're not in the North Towns. You're in North Buffalo. Um, pretty cool thing, though, I learned by somewhat recognizing it. I got to my hotel yesterday and I'm on the 12th floor and was able to look out my window and you see all these rooftops and I start thinking about the Beatles. Get Back, the documentary that they did in which they went to the rooftop of their uh, the building where their recording studio was and had their uh, their famous final public performance all together. And uh, I said, it looks like that out there. And so I looked it up and sure enough, I can see it from my window. It's pretty cool. Uh, I did check it out, though. You can't go up there on the roof. You would think that that would be a major tourist attraction and a way to make a ton of money. But it is now vacant, or at least last I saw in the research I did, vacant. It used to be an Abercrombie and Fitch uh, because it's in the Taylor district or whatever. So it's all been uh, textiles and tailoring and stuff like that. And I guess it got a little commercial and then the Abercrombie and Fitch went out of business. And But anyway, shouldn't that be a huge tourist attraction? It's, a, it's such an iconic location. Yeah, I, I would think that it would be. I don't know. Maybe there's no signs. There's no marking. There's no. There is a plaque on the building, but that's it. You can't go inside. Um, that's that. Can you do a bus tour of Britain with famous Beatles spots. Oh yeah, there there are a bunch of those. Um, another famous one that I learned in trying to figure out what I might want to do to kill some time on Saturday. There's a Jack the Ripper tour. Uh, there's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there's all kinds of things. Obviously, the royal family out the yin yang. Um, all kinds of stuff. Everywhere you look, there's a famous building location, site of some historical significance, things that are in songs, things that you have are just in our consciousness. Um, so for instance, one of the things I want to do, and I can't tomorrow, I think I'm gonna have to wait till Monday. I want to go to Westminster Abbey. And I, I'm a cemetery guy. I, I like cemeteries. Uh, there's a gravitas there. Um, there was a period of time uh, back when I worked for the Buffalo News 
um, when I was uh, on Newside and going into the office where sometimes I'd get away for lunch and I'd go to Forest Lawn and just park somewhere under a tree and eat my lunch. I don't know. There's just something about a cemetery that I find um, keeps you grounded. Um, and Forest Lawn is obviously an all-time great cemetery. There's a president there. Millard Fillmore's there. A lot of Red Jacket is there. Uh, but Westminster Abbey. So I'm looking at the rundown of who's at Westminster Abbey. And, uh, you know, Charles Darwin, uh, Stephen Hawking, Sir Isaac Newton, you know, uh, dozens of kings and queens. And, you know, it's, uh, there's a bunch of others like who are British, um, not royalty per se, but uh you know, famous Britons are, are there. And I just like, that's some pretty, that's some heavyweight corpses there. <laughs> you can go right outside my hotel is, uh, no, this is not related. I don't, I'm on a little bit of a roll now because I'm thinking of all the different things that I've checked off or, or at least checked out. I haven't been there yet, but a famous gallows uh, is a block away from my hotel. They used to do all the public hangings right there by the marble arch. So I'm going to check that out. Um, so anyways, a bit morbid, but I'm trying oh, to think. There's some other like super duper. Oh, Sir Lawrence Olivier's at at, uh, at um, Westminster Abbey. A, a bunch, a bunch. I noted afraid? that you said Are you jealous? Keeps you grounded. And I wouldn't take that too literally. Right. It's, and I want to be cremated, so I will not be buried. Uh, so I guess that pun, uh, that, I don't know if that's irony, if that that the cemetery uh, keeps me grounded. But it's, it's obvious perspective, especially when you see some of the older uh, dates on a headstone and think that person was important at some point to, to a bunch of people. And now nobody knows who the hell he is, where he, that he's here. You know, it's, I think once you get past your grandchildren, maybe. I've never gone to my grandmother's graves to visit them. I, I, I don't know. At what point do people, are you just a, another headstone? Or, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, again, that's the perspective, I think, that uh, a cemetery affords me when I'm, when I'm in one is how brief life is and all the things that you think are really important about making that next dollar or whatever. I mean, I'm, I, I waste enough time. I, I waste a lot of time. I think that if there's a place that I can go in Red Dead Redemption, I can see how many hours I've played it, which I don't want to see that number. Um, Red Dead Redemption Two, by the way, not not the old Red Dead. I, I mean, I'm I'm at least on PS Five, but I've killed. I've I've wasted a lot of time in my life. Well, hey, how about that? Relaxation how about that? How about that for a great way to start the podcast, Jonah? Um, obviously, the Buffalo Bills uh, are fresh on the mind. Uh, I was just out at their practice. Uh, a couple hours ago, a walkthrough, actually, not a practice. Um, they're at a place called The Grove, which is 
in the English countryside, about an hour outside of London. It's a resort type thing with a large field and that they can dig and What's that? Are you familiar with something about Mary, where uh, the the the, uh, the the guy who's trying to scheme to fall in love with Mary is is talking about all the because she has a, a special needs brother and he's trying to impress her by saying that he works with people with special needs and he tells stuff about how they keep him on leashes and because he doesn't really know how hmm. people with special needs. And so he talks about being out in the field where they can dig. And he... Where are you going with this? I was just <laughs> clearly Bill's walkthrough. Yeah, Bill's walkthrough. They're out in a big field uh, where you know where they were let out of their cages so they could run around like the feral animals that they are. Um, and uh, it's very scenic, uh, quite picturesque. But they're just trying to shake off the jet lag today. Clearly, I haven't. I'm a bit punchy. You know, I wanted to, can I ask you about that? Because I want to know how the flight was, how you feel, and then if you can extrapolate maybe a little bit from that, how that can affect the Bills who are on a similar travel schedule to what you're experiencing right now. I did fly direct from Toronto, although my travel day included driving up to Toronto. They could just head straight from their homes in Hamburg or Orchard Park or wherever they live right to Cheektowaga, get on the charter flight, and they head straight to London Heathrow Airport from Cheektowaga, whereas I can't do that. So my travel day was a bit longer. I'm also 52 years old. I'm not a trained athlete. I don't have the ability to sprawl out like these guys do. Deion Dawkins joked today that, yes, they have the ability to lay down on these planes, these chart, these luxury planes that go overseas. You are pretty much in a bed that, you know, a seat that reclines into one, but it they're not built for six, five, 330 pound dudes, you know, they're, so it's still not comfortable. That said, uh, I was sitting in row 34, uh, and there were still probably 20 rows behind me of this large plane. Um, I have to, uh, you know, wait a good 30 minutes while, uh, for my turn in the restroom. Uh, it was hard to sleep. I didn't sleep. In fact, uh, on my flight, which left at 10 p.m. Uh, Wednesday night, and so, anyways, I mean, I, I I can't say that I could compare what I went through and say this is what the bills are dealing with. I've been dealing with a migraine headache all day, which is why I'm also punchy. I probably had about five or six cups of coffee. Um, just finally ate dinner right before doing this podcast. Had the fish and chips. Went in Rome, you know. But yeah, I'm punchy. Uh, I don't feel great. Um, I, I think that the walkthrough and the strategy today to keep the Bills' minds active, the way it was explained to me, they set up sightseeing um, tours. They got buses for the players to take them to see all the sites. They want to keep them awake today. Now, the Bills, for those who don't know, decided not to leave until after practice Thursday. So they got in this morning, 7 o'clock um, local time, 7 a.m., and went through customs just like anybody else. I, I was somewhat surprised. I usually, um, you know, and I've flown 
granted it's a hockey team going into Canada, but there are a lot of things that you don't need to necessarily do when you're with a sports team than the average person needs to do. But apparently the bills had to all file through customs, just like any other um, arrivee, uh, arriver, arriver, arrivee. Why would it be an arrivee? Like someone who has some an arrival done to them? Would that be an arrivee? No, that's not right. I don't, I don't Anyways, think arriver is right. An arrive, right. So when they got here, they had to go through and do the whole deal. Go through, have their bags checked and whatever else, like any other schmo. So that was a long period. And then by the time they get to onto their buses and their equipment's unloaded up, then they go out to this place where they're staying. And the Bills wanted to keep them awake. They don't, they're trying to discourage napping, um, keeping them, their minds occupied uh, because they don't want them to be up all night. They want to be able to go to bed at nine or 10 o'clock uh, local time. So that way they will then awake tomorrow, have an off day in terms of practice. They'll do their meetings and, and things like that. I think it's interesting how the Bills decided to come in so late in the week because, um, you know, the Jaguars have been here for a week and a half. Um, they stayed, they played uh, Atlanta last week, and they are used to it. I think it was their 10th or 11th game in London. So a lot of the players are used to navigating the jet lag and dealing with playing over here, the time change, the food, whatever it is. Now, granted, I think that uh, and I'm hearing that some of the Jaguars are not thrilled with this, much like the Raiders in West Virginia, when they had that stretch where they didn't head back to the uh, uh, to the desert uh, in between playing those games, uh, including the one in Orchard Park. But um, the Jaguars are here and acclimated, whereas the Bills are going to be still probably feeling it a little bit on Sunday. Now, does that matter? Should that matter to a young athlete? Uh, who has all these things at their disposal, whether it be, like I mentioned, IVs, the different programs that you have in terms of when I say, you know, the sports science, they put you on a on a little bit of a program throughout the week as to when to nap, when to sleep, what to eat, you know, nutritionists, all these things, uh, what to put in your system, what not to put in your system. So I think the bills should be okay, but it is, I'm, I'm just... And I get it. I get where McDermott's coming from. I think he's trying to maintain as much routine as he could. Um, these guys are creatures of habit, but it will be interesting to see how these guys feel. If they're honest with us when we talk to them after the game, uh, hey, how are how you really feeling out there? Uh, were you dragging a little bit? I, I think it's going to wear on them. Uh, maybe not enough to affect the end outcome of the game, but I don't think you're going to see – the same level of performance that you saw in a great game against the Dolphins last week or really any of the past three games. And the Bills haven't taken a long road trip yet this season. They, they played uh, games in Washington and New York, but those are shorter trips and they didn't have to go West Coast and deal with time changes. And well, you were there, you can maybe sense this better than I was, but watching the, the live streams and things of the press conferences this morning, they did come across a little travel weary. You could kind of tell that, you know, while it was the morning and morning here and afternoon there that they seemed like, you know, they had been through 
something a little bit to, to get to that point. They and were even, giddy. I mean, they were yeah, like well, that, me. was, they were punchy. Uh, Josh Allen was talking like a, a seven year old on his fifth bag of Sour Patch Kids. I mean, yeah, he was. They seemed a little bit in vacation mode, a little happy to be there and, uh, you know, not how they normally would be on a Friday where they don't have to do any media. They don't have to do any type of public appearances or a public workout where fans and media can interact with them. And it just seems like they're, they're completely out of the normal routine, throw in the travel and the time change and the body clock adjustments. And there's a very short turnaround for them to get acclimated. And like you said, not practicing tomorrow. So they're not really getting used to, uh, playing a game that will be on their normal body clocks at 9.30 in the morning, whereas in training camp they practice that early every day. But it's been a few weeks since they've done that. They've been practicing later, playing later games. And the Jaguars, even if they're not happy about their living situation, at least their body clocks and their routines have been uh, calibrated to the British time for over a week now. Yeah, and not just that, but as I mentioned before, they they also have experience with dealing with whatever tricks you need to get over your jet lag. Everybody's different. You know, some people can sleep at the drop of a hat. Some people can't. Uh, you know, some people can sleep on a plane. Some can't. You know, so um, if you were up the entire trip and then you need your nap now or, or you know, or maybe you don't. Like Steph Diggs says he doesn't need sleep that he's ready to play today. If he, if they had to play, it's no big deal to him. Um, but he said that Josh is somebody who does need to sleep. He kept calling him sleepyhead. Um, and about how jacked up he was on, on caffeine, but, um, Josh Allen, that is. So everybody's different. And the Jaguars have a team that almost full of guys who know what their trick is or what they need to do, what they need to avoid. I need to nap right now. I know that I'm going to need some extra rest. I know I'm going to bonk in around seven o'clock, you know, all these different things. So um, is that going to be enough? I think that the Bills are obviously the superior team and something like this shouldn't be too significant, much like what the Bills were able to traverse last year playing the Browns in Detroit because of the weather, being able to pick up an entire football operation and move it to Detroit. The Bills played a pretty good team. Also, I mean, Detroit last year was decent and to be able, or I'm sorry, Cleveland, um, and then come back five days later and play Detroit or four days later, right? Yeah, four days later and play Detroit on Thanksgiving uh, and win that game too. I mean, so... I think that they have some experience in dealing with being some, just being uh, shoved into a circumstance that is kind of strange and blocking things out and being able to, uh, to win a game against an inferior opponent. And I think that that was reflected in the betting. I, I, the bills opened as two and a half point favorites. I think it was up to five at some point. So people are, uh, the Bills not only opened as the favorites, but the money's coming in on them. I don't know. What, do you, what are your thoughts on what you expect to see Sunday morning? I think that the Bills are, as I mentioned before, probably not going to play their best and be or be at their best. And I don't know if that necessarily means they lose the game, but I think that they're much more likely to lose this game than – if it was in Orchard Park or if there were other circumstances or any of the previous 
games that they've played. Yeah, they've so lost a home season. game. This is a home game for them. Even though Jacksonville's the team you're used to yeah. seeing here, Jacksonville is the road game. team. Yeah, it's the ninth home game. I mean, tech, so technically it's on the schedule as a home game, but if it was in a odd year season uh, or an even year season, then it could be a road game. So I don't really think the Bills are losing out on a home game as much as they Well, no, they are because that's baked into the competitive things of of the schedule from now on, now that it's right, a 17-game schedule. This is their extra home game, and they're losing it. Yeah, with the entire rest of the AFC has nine home games. But I still feel like it being the ninth, changes that math a little bit but they did lose a home game last year so it's been a while since they've had that extra home game advantage into their schedule and won't have it again this year and also um and you know the bills have some depth a lot of depth on the roster and the defense in particular but greg rousseau not playing um i don't think von miller's gonna play maybe he will but it doesn't you I don't, don't think, think so you enough. think this is a uh as i wrote in my story i said he came uh just short of the callahan auto parts guarantee you think that uh we need to shove our head up uh, Sean McDermott's ass and find out if uh, if the steak's good. You know that metaphor? Yeah, Tom I know Floyd? that metaphor. I mean, I, okay. no, no, no. am I doing I, too, I I'm I mean, too obscure of my uh, my references? I I, I've seen the movie. I've seen the movie. Um, I mean, have they said, has it been announced that he's activated and he's on the roster? No, but he says he's 94.5% sure that he's going to play. Von Miller said that or Sean yeah. McDermott? Okay. Sean, well, uh, no, Von Miller said that. And Von Miller has a long track record of being accurate with uh, his. Well, that was my point. You know, Odell Beckham yeah, yeah. Jr., is, it's all said and done. It's done. Uh, it's signed, sealed, and delivered, or whatever his comment yeah. was regarding that. And DeAndre Hopkins. And it's only a it's meniscus also, issue. He's gonna. He's only going to miss one game. And then a week later, he's on injured reserve. It's also uh, Yeah, he makes Von a lot Miller's of decision. declarations. Yeah. It's it's and I, I think the Bills are not going to activate Von Miller. Von Miller was the GM that he, he aspires to be. Then maybe it would be a different scenario. And, and I do believe Von Miller when he says maybe he feels ready, and if the Bills choose to activate him, that he believes he's ready to go. But I think the Bills are going to take a longer ramp up period with a 34 year old coming off surgery, and it might not be exactly what happened with Tre'Davious White last year, but seeing the time they took and the caution they put into that and allowing him to condition and get ready to play. And then he was on a small snap count in that first game that white played last year. I don't think the bills are going to rush Von Miller in after one padded practice in which he was limited and didn't seem to me like he was, it seemed to me like his first practice. It didn't seem to me like his I'm getting ready to play a game practice. And that's only in the 15 minutes that we got to watch drills, but you know, he wasn't going first in the drills and he wasn't super animated and expressive in, in the drills that we were able to watch. It seemed to me like day one of getting ready to play in a week or two or maybe even three and not ready to go with our only padded practice of the game week. But back to my other point, Greg Rousseau not playing. Von Miller, I don't think he's going to play. Even if he does play, probably limited snap count and not the Von Miller of old, at least for one game. You can't count on that being the case. Davius White out for the season, not playing. So the Bills are starting. Jordan Poyer may be more likely to play, but coming off not being able to play last week, and who knows how the travel and the light week and the treatment schedule might affect his health and ability. So the Bills are not at their best health-wise, especially on defense and with the travel weariness. I still do think they can win the game, but it will be a game where I, I believe the story will be how resilient they are and how they uh, pulled out and maybe stole a win as much as being what they look like. And they probably are the best team in the NFL right now. And I don't think you're going to see a 40 point explosion and a blowout victory 
uh, Sunday morning like you've seen from the team the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, now, you mentioned the other injuries, too. So the defense is in flux. Um, just want to point out it may mean nothing, but maybe it means more than maybe it's not nothing. Um, Jordan Poyer was scheduled to talk to the media today and was canceled. Uh, the Bills did some news conferences and Poyer was on the schedule. And at the at the last second, uh, he didn't. So I don't know if that was because Poyer didn't feel like it or because of anything else, but he was on the injury report today was that his designation had him as good to go. Let me hang on. I should check that before I, they had two guys. Uh, it was um, Kristen Benford with the shoulder. Uh, but let me just make this official. So that way I'm Another not just... possibly significant injury. Uh, okay. So Russo and white are out. No, uh, I'm sorry. Full participant. Yesterday, yeah, Poyer was full. Before. I'm sorry. Yeah. Poyer was full. Um, but neither one of those have been padded contact practices either. Wednesday, he was limited in the, in the more. Regular. Oh, right. Well, yeah. But he's going to, he'll, he'll play. He'll play. Um, but that's another thing going against Von Miller is that he's only had two practices because uh, today would have been a regular practice, but it was a walkthrough. So he's really only he'll go into Sunday having practiced just twice. Is that enough? Sean McDermott said that uh, the first practice is always a big uh, milestone. He used that word milestone uh, because it's, you know, the culmination of the effort to get back and all the rehab and, uh, and, and mental gymnastics that Von Miller's had to go through getting back out there for the first practice is big. Uh, And that second practice, he said that he was, he showed a little more in that. So McDermott didn't, uh, he said it was day to day was his response when asked about Von Miller. Um, and then Von Miller spoke after. So we didn't have a chance to ask Sean McDermott, his reaction to Von Miller saying 94 and a half percent. The remaining five and a half percent, by the way, uh, Von Miller said was if he wakes up sick or with the stomach flu on Sunday. But again, you got to take everything Von Miller says with a grain of salt. Um, I should apologize about the Jordan Poyer thing. I I was thinking he was limited, um, but he's full. So I don't think that that anything with the, the news conference or him canceling, it must've just been a scheduling conflict or something like that. But that does happen sometimes. You know, they pull somebody who uh, who's not going to play, um, might not uh, do the the media as, uh, as planned. Um, Joan, I want to ask about the Sabres. Uh, I haven't been around, of course, uh, but the Sabres are playing their final preseason game tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins, a season opener uh, in six days. Thursday against the New York Rangers. Sabres, by the way, playing five of their first six games at home. But uh, as they're ramping up here towards roster cutdown day, what are your thoughts, uh, particularly with uh, Zach Benson and his status? Well, yeah, Zach Benson's the hot storyline with the Sabres preseason overall, five points in five games, and how uh, comfortable and good he's looked as an 18-year-old rookie skating on the top line with Sage Thompson and Jeff Skinner, and then how that affects the roster, because it really is 
maybe one roster spot in play, or it seemed that way coming into camp, and Zach Benson was not the favorite for both his age and, and just pecking order type things to, to win that spot. But the way he's played and the way things are shaking out, it really does seem like he will potentially be on the roster opening night and, and could play uh, up to nine games with the Sabres or be on the team for up to nine games before they have to make a decision about keeping them and sending them elsewhere or down for a conditioning assignment and things like that. But with the injury to Matt Savoy, with some of the other prospects, Yuri Kulich and Isaac Rosane not really doing a whole lot in the preseason, Zach Benson sees the opportunity for what was that one extra forward spot. And there's some other intrigue with the roster on defense and goaltending, but they do need you know, there was a competition for one forward spot. Zach Benson is one of the forwards in that competition, wasn't really the favorite to win it coming into the preseason, now seems to have, you know, claimed that for himself and looks very likely that he could be skating on the top line and taking that opening faceoff as an 18-year-old rookie. Or not taking the faceoff, but be on the ice for that faceoff uh, next Thursday night. What about the goaltending? And Ukapeka Lukanen had a rough night, and many thought that that might have been his final audition, that Comrie is the backup for Devin Levi. Do we know? Has has a hand been tipped? No, a hand has not necessarily been tipped. Other than Don Granado and Kevin Adams have been consistent throughout the offseason and in the preseason about being comfortable with carrying three goalies again and not feeling like they needed to a add another goalie to the mix, but also uh, make a trade or make a move. I do think it, it eases the roster, the Sabres roster situation. It might be beneficial if they found a trade partner for one of their backup goalies. But until they do that, I think they're going to keep three. UPL, I believe, is on the roster as the backup goalie to Devin Levi tonight. Um, probably will play a period, maybe more in that role. And seems to be because the Sabres can't wave him. They can't send him down to Rochester. Well, they can wave him, but they can't. Uh, send them down to Rochester if they do wave them. They probably are going to keep three goalies. It'll be interesting to see who exactly is the, the second goalie versus the third goalie, or it'll probably rotate that a little bit. And I think the Sabres are maybe hoping, they don't want to cut Eric Comrie and have Tampa Bay or another team claim him off waivers. So I think they're hoping that as they carry three goalies, if they don't, either an injury might make it so they you know need to have that extra goalie on the roster or another team's injury or another team's goaltender situation increases their trade leverage and opportunity to get value back for one of these goaltenders after the season starts. It is going to cost them a defenseman who's on an NHL contract who they might not be able to get back if they do decide to keep three goaltenders. But, you know, Jacob Bryson's probably that player. And I, I don't know. I think that I think the Sabres think that they can take that risk going into the season and they might get them back. It'll be interesting to see how they navigate that. Uh, I think I've used the word navigate about seven times on this podcast. Uh, I did mix in a traverse also at some point because I was about to say navigate again and went to the mental thesaurus. Um, I'm kind of on fumes here, Jonah. Uh, well, is there I, anything else we need to talk about before? Back to Zach Benson a little bit. It's just, it is notable that he was the number 13th pick in the draft, not the number one pick or the number two pick or the number three pick. And that is quite rare. I haven't looked it up. I, I kind of want to do some research on this, but how rare it is for someone drafted that low at that age to come right in and claim a roster spot on a team that's still a young team developing, but not 
the same way they were the last couple of years where it might have made a lot more sense to be like, yeah, play the young I think guy. it's now probably really rare. Spot. It's probably rare on any kind of team, regardless of how you st- – whether it's a, a rebuilding team, a, a shit team, a championship cat, whatever, 13th overall, I mean, that <laughs> – to make it to make it on your your next possible opening day roster is incredible. Yeah, and he's beating out at least one player, Lucas Rusek, who finished, who seemed to have a roster spot coming out of last season. He he was called up. He was the guy that got that opportunity at the end of the year and is the older of you know the Rochester prospects that seem to be matriculating their way to the NHL sooner than later. And but he signed on a two-way deal for this year and a full NHL deal for the second year next season. So the Sabres maybe saw something like this coming a little bit and had the opportunity to keep him in Rochester for a little while and then probably bring him up to take either Benson's roster spot or if a player's injured later in the season. Also, the Jack Quinn injury created this spot in the first place. If he was healthy and the Sabres had all of their players coming back from last season. There might not be anywhere on the roster for Zach Benson or would make them have to uh, wave a goaltender to create that kind of situation. And also the Matt Savoy injury, because he was probably the one in line to, if he earned the training camp, if he played well enough in the preseason training camp to earn the roster spot, he would get the, uh, you know, up to nine games on the NHL roster, then the conditioning assignment in in Rochester and allowed to play in the World Juniors and then maybe come back or maybe go to his junior team later in the season. Now he's injured. There's maybe a way that he can follow that same path while on injured reserve. And there's maybe this sort of could work in the Sabres' favor and that they're able to do something that they wanted to do with one of these young players and able to do it with both Matt Savoy and Zach Benson, who could also end up you know, playing together on the same line in junior and Wenatachi like they did a year ago. Um after playing together in the World Junior Championships, a lot of this could align pretty well for the Sabres. Uh, and I don't know if it was necessarily their plan, but the way it could come out is a good development strategy for their last two first-round draft picks. It's the luxury of having so many young and talented players that you can navigate uh, these decisions a lot more easily uh, because you do have the flexibility of bringing guys up and down, uh, you know, the older you get, obviously, you need to go through waivers. But yeah, that's this. This is uh, this is a, a benefit. Um, and it be- also shows how good of a draft pick maybe Zach Benson was because you know the Sabres had talked. Oh, this was a guy with top ten talent that we would have taken much higher than number thirteen. But every team's going to say that. But the fact that he came in and is looking like maybe one of the best rookies, one of the best eighteen year olds in the NHL or in anybody's NHL pipeline. Um, does support that fact that maybe, you know, the Sabres got a steal at number 13 with that pick. UB football. What do we got on Saturday? It's escaping me at the moment. UB football's home, Central Michigan, second MAC game. They won and 0 in the MAC now after winning in overtime at Akron last week. Got another home game against Bowling Green next Saturday. Hey, if you squint, there is an opportunity, I think, for UB to win both of these home games, be 3 and 0 in the MAC, be on a three game winning streak. And really put that 0-4 start behind them and be in contention for a Mackey's championship. I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen. They are home underdogs in this Central Michigan game, and Bowling Green might even be better than Central Michigan. But, you know, I, I think say the UB Bulls 
do have this opportunity in front of them if, if they play well. Big win for Bowling Green last week. Yeah. You know, I didn't see. Uh, Who did they beat? Shit. I re- You're probably right. I was preoccupied with uh, – Look at it. Yeah, if you can. The UB game I covered. And Bowling Green beat somebody uh, like Memorial. a decent – like a program on the road. Uh, Bowling Green is pretty good this year. That I do know. I haven't looked into Are you the looking uh, it up? specifics of their schedule. I am looking it up. Maybe we could uh, – the magic of editing can maybe look like I knew what we were talking about before this came about. Someone's going to tweet at us. Brian Cummings is going to tweet at us telling us who won this game before he even listens to us answer this question here. Bowling Green beat Georgia Tech. That's a good win. At Georgia Tech. Sure. That's good. Uh, now, Georgia Tech isn't what it used to be. It's certainly not uh, from the – the same Georgia Tech from the Chan Gailey days. Uh, but still, to be able to beat uh, a, a, that type of program from a Power 5 conference uh, on the road, it's a big win for a MAC school. Bowling Green also had a 10-point a loss against Liberty, which is a 10-point loss. But if you compare it to the way that uh, UB played against Liberty, that, yeah. you know, that's, that's better. UB than lost that. by infinity. 31-6 to loss to Michigan, too. 38 to 7 lost to Ohio, who is the favorite in the Mackey. So Bowling Green's not, you know, an unbeatable team, but Liberty put down that Alpha and Omega ass whooping. They opened up a can of Alpha and the Omega. Um so uh I would we'll end it on this. Oh, and by the way, everybody, please uh, give us a like, subscribe. Um Get down in the comments section. Uh, people have been commenting. I, I enjoy that. Uh, we'll, we'll turn that into a little forum. I'm not afraid of that. Uh, throw some comments down underneath these uh, 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 YouTube uh, videos, uh, whatever it is on your platform of choice. Please uh, rate us, thumb up, like, etc. cetera. Uh, on my flight from Toronto to London Heathrow Airport, I could not sleep. And so I watched movies. I saw three of them. Have you seen either of these three? Uh, Asteroid City, the Wes no. Anderson movie that I've has a gazillion stars I've not in seen it. Us, the Jordan Peele movie. No. And Cocaine Bear. No. I don't watch a lot of movies. Um, I have seen Cocaine Bear trailer on my Peacock app and feel like I saw the whole movie in that 90 second trailer, but I did not watch the movie. All right. So I'll give my quick reviews just for the hell of it, because they're obviously three very different movies. Um, Asteroid city was horseshit. I love Wes Anderson. He is a cinematic Marvel and everything that you see from Wes Anderson is just gorgeous. This movie made no sense. It had so much going on. I'm going to have to look up what the fuck he was even trying to do. Uh, maybe there's a reviewer out there that can help explain it to me. Um, Sometimes once, you need to watch those movies twice. Uh, no, I'm not going to watch this movie <laughs> twice. I may see a review and be like, oh, that's what he was trying. Still sucked. If I can't figure it out or it needs to at least be, you know, these are the movies that I like. The movie where it's kind of where it's. It makes you think long after the movie is over. 
but not be confused after the movie's over. Sometimes I'm in, I'm fascinated by a movie as to where it's kind of on the tip of my brain that is, that I'm about to unlock something and I'm and I can f- try to figure it out myself, uh, whatever deep meaning there might be. But the movie also needs to be entertaining in and of itself, which is what Us was. I thought Us was incredibly well done. And one of those movies where after the fact, you start thinking of, you know, the the metaphors, uh, the, you know, the different, uh, the, the, deep, the deeper meanings again. Uh, and then Cocaine Bear was just fun. It was, it was not a particularly great movie from any kind of cinema. But it was a lot of fun and absolutely worth your time. If you haven't seen it, if you think it's too ridiculous, I'm not talking to you, Jonah. I'm talking to anybody out there who's like, yeah, I, I would just see it. There are laugh out loud moments. Um, it's it's good. I liked it. A lot of surprises to me, as far as I was concerned, a lot of surprises in Cocaine Bear about, oh, they're going to try to get away with that. Um, and, oh, yeah, they did. They got away with that. That's a movie you'd watch twice. Cocaine Bear, I think I might. I might. Us, I would definitely watch twice. Us is one of those movies that there's, you know, the great, you know, with the horror movie, uh, like with uh, Jordan Peele's uh, first movie, um, Get Out. Uh, When you get to the end, you're like, oh, like it unlocks things of what had happened. You're, You're unwinding the movie in your head while you're still watching the movie. So it's one of those uh, one of those films where you could watch it again from the beginning and have those ah moments like, ah, I should have seen that. Or that was a pretty big clue right there that flew right past me or it's supposed to fly past you. You're supposed to catch it. An hour after the fact that you. There was there was a there was a big clue sitting there for you. Anyways, those are my three movies coming out. I don't know if this is going to be on your plane and I actually forget what the title is, but a movie coming out about the Von Erich wrestling family that I haven't seen a movie in the theater in many, many years. A motion picture, not a documentary? Yep, yep, full movie. Zach Efron. Holy smokes. It's one of those stories that it's so crazy that it it almost can't be a movie. It's it's one of those, it's, it makes no sense. Like, you'd have to, by telling people at the beginning, like, you need to tell them, this is a true story, everybody. Buckle up. Um, yeah, it's a great story. And Kerry Von Erich, born in Buffalo, born in Niagara Falls. Um, oh, but I didn't it doesn't know come out till December 22nd. I, I thought it was maybe coming out this week or even sooner. But the Iron Claw, it's called. For the Christmas break. Uh, okay, Jonah, thanks for this. Um, One more coming attraction, I think, because you've been overseas. Maybe you didn't see the big news, but the uh, Savannah Bananas have announced that they will be I saw that. playing a three-game series in Buffalo next July. Who are they going to play, field. though? I don't know. Did they bring a team with them, like the Washington Generals, so they could play the Bison? I, you know, I've seen them do, I've seen segments on, you know, Real Sports did a thing on them. I think they'll play, a, and you can come and bring your team to play them type thing. Um, if you can, if you want to play them straight up, you want to try to play them seriously type thing. Uh, but do they have a house opponent? They might. 
I don't, yeah, I don't know how that works. They did play in Syracuse. Maybe we could look up, see who the team was they played against in Syracuse. Maybe Micah Hyde and his band of softball all-stars could suit up and play against I don't them. know that the Bills would enjoy that because it's baseball. I mean, it is baseball. It's um, banana An injury could occur, but it's a hard, it's hardball. You know, it's not soft, it's not slow pitch softball. Um, yeah, I could see somebody screwing around, uh, you know, sliding into second and, uh, Turning an ankle, a wrist, trying doing a head first slide into third, trying to steal a base or whatever. Uh, okay, Jonah, anything to plug? Any work you're doing at WIVB.com or with the Associated Press or any of your other uh, Bronstein uh, I mean, uh, entities? Stuff that we've been going over. I've been rather busy, but it's been Bill Sabres. UB football, UB basketball, other Division One basketball teams have started practice yet. I haven't really gotten caught up on college basketball quite yet, um, but it's coming down the pike very soon. Yeah, well, you'll have your hands full. Who did you little, end up going minor with? Minor league pro basketball, ABA, coming to Buffalo slash West Seneca this season. I'm, I'm After Joe Licata's Williamsville South beat Health Sciences last Friday, you were contemplating who was going to be your top team in the yep. in the area for that division. Who did you settle on when you filed your uh, your poll? Yeah, well, just for some context, I was very high on health science. I voted them number one the week before when a lot of other teams, well, a lot of other voters were voting Iroquois. They'd been the number one small school uh, throughout the season. And then uh, Williamsville South beats health science. I don't know if I call it an upset. I think Joe uh, took some issue with some people calling it a big upset. But but Iroquois also lost. So there was a some question about who would be the new number one small school team, who to vote for. Uh, the two teams, Maryvale, which beat. Iroquois and Lackawanna, which is undefeated with a lot of big wins, were the two teams. I chose Lackawanna, and it turned out to be a co-number one. Those you know, votes were split between Maryville and Lackawanna. All right. Who do they have this weekend? Is it going to be settled? Do either of them have a particularly tough opponent this weekend? I don't believe so. I can't off the top of my head tell, tell you exactly who each is playing, but I did kind of look at that, and one thing I looked at, and Adam Gorski, a former student of yours that I work with at WIBB, does the four games to watch this week. And it was difficult finding a lot of games to pick because there's a lot of teams with good records playing against teams with bad records this week. There is one big game, Lancaster against Jamestown, which those are two top four, I believe, teams mm-hmm. in the large school poll. That's kind of the game of the week. But after that, and Winslow South plays Pioneer, and that's a pretty good game. But after that, it's sort of a light week. I think there's some better matchups coming up in a week or two. All right, Jonah, thank you. Uh, and thank you to everybody out there for checking out Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and Business Consultants. CTBK is more than just a full-service accounting firm. They are one team with an innovative approach that takes on each new challenge with collaborative problem-solving skills to provide creative solutions for their clients. Based right here in Western New York, CTBK is a champion for your business and our community. Additionally, CTBK goes beyond tax and attest services by offering a wide array of consulting and outsourced solutions tailored to meet the unique needs of your business, allowing you to focus on your operational and long-term strategic goals. Whether you're a large corporation, a small business, or somewhere in between, the team at CTBK is determined to help you succeed. Visit ctbk.com or call 716 716- 
to learn how CTBK's one-team approach can work for you. We'll